Hey everyone out there in the CBC universe, welcome to another episode of Combo Characters. I'm your friendly neighborhood podcaster, Alfred, and as always, I've got my gracious co-host, Chris, the uncontested creator, Cassidus! <laughs> oh, and from a, up, from a faraway land is sounding in the background. Sandy, I hate that guy. Yeah. He's a jerk? Such a disappointment. <laughs> Such a disappointment. Oh, man. Uh... You know what you did. Don't look at me like that with uh... those buttons on your face. <laughs> How you doing, man? How's it? How's it going? How's it hanging? I'm doing all right. Doing. I'm doing well. Uh, I, I, I just resized back up from the quantum realm. Okay. Um, everything's okay. That the little clicky thing works. Uh, I think I'm all right. All right. So the question I have to ask you is, mm. when you when you when you came out of the quantum realm, did you have yeah. smoky eyeliner ready to go? <laughs> 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 Cause that begs the question. What spoilers? I guess, oh, but oh, like okay. Michelle Pfeiffer is stuck in the quantum realm for thirty years, and she comes out with some dope, nice, awesome-looking smoky eyeliner. Looks I mean, great. She looks great. It's Maybelline. It, it held up. Uh, I mean, that's a quality product. <laughs> whatever you're paying for that brush or eye, you know, the the liquid mascara, whatever. It's well worth it, apparently. I, mean, I was, good, I was like, I was, I was ready for the tardy gray kind of my comments to come in, but no, no, no. I was, I did not expect the mascara, sir. You, you win. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is gonna be our Ant Man, or I'm sorry, ah, say I already messed it up. Ah, the man, I told man, you wouldn't get it. It's the main events. It's the main events and Wasp nobody, episode. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants you to call it Man of Ants and the Wasp. There's one, at least one person. If anything, if anything, it should be Wasp Man and the Ant. Oof. Oof. That's... Ugh. (laughs) That's wrong. Um, (laughs) This is going to be our Ant-Man and Wasp episode. We'll do review, our thoughts, where we think the the movie's going, where it leads the rest of the MCU. Uh, Some trivia and and other things as normal. We've got some Infinity War news we're going to cover, some DC Birds of Prey. We've got a really sweet casting corner, um, <clears throat> a first look at Cloak and Dagger, some sweet, sweet anime-related news that I'm, that's all I'm going to say. It's going to be good, anime. though. Nani? And uh, <laughs> mushy, mushy. Um, we're not on a telephone, so I guess that doesn't apply. Uh, not really. And we got uh, Sam Jackinson news, as I wrote it on the Slack. <laughs> Put some respect on my name, you heard? Sam Jackinson. A box of ears off. Sam Jackinson. All right. Well, we'll get to that at the end. Uh, Fish let's... and chips. <laughs> there Big is... belly and all that bullshit. Oh, wow. <laughs> Her Majesty the Queen. I'm Sam, <laughs> Sam Jackinson. <laughs> oh, Do you have any chimneys to sweep or, like, porridge to pour or eat or anything? No? No? Fuck Dick Van Dyke! Oh wow! Wow! <laughs> I, I guess I guess he goes on the list. Sam Jackinson, you're right. Yeah, fuck him. All right. Why? Well, there's no this easy. This is a real Cockney accent. Wow! So authentic. No easy segue. <laughs> uh, we we lost a titan uh, in the comic realm, comic world. Steve Ditko uh, unfortunately passed away, and. Um, you know, everyone knows him. He's the, he co-created Spider-Man, and, and a lot of people would say he more than co-created Spider-Man. Uh, the the way the Ditko version of the story goes is, Stanley went, "Hey, uh, how about we 
Get a, a guy who has spider powers. <laughs> that's, it. that's it. That's all he said. And then Ditko created the costume and the look and the way the powers would work. Um, the scientist background, all of that from Peter Parker. Uh, he also had a heavy hand in creating Doctor Strange. Steve Ditko, not limited to Marvel only. Uh, in the DC universe, he created a character by the name of The Question. Uh, which is still around to this day, and the Creeper, who is one of the weirdest superhero characters I've ever seen. It's, it's he kind of looks like uh, a cross between like Craven the Hunter and Lobo, but with mm. green hair and yellow skin. And his day job, if I remember correctly, is he's a radio DJ. So like, if you could think of the most <laughs> obnoxious personality superhero. That's your guy. That's your guy. It's the creeper. Um, a, a greater menace by day, probably than even by night. As a, <laughs> as it's so not not as thought out as um, uh, your boy. Uh, shit, what's his name? Private parts. That dude. Uh, Private uh, King parts. of all media. Oh, uh, Howard Stern. Ha, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Howard Stern. Not as thought out as his Buttman? Or... <laughs> I wonder if Buttman is in some part inspired by Steve Ditko and the Creeper. It's possible. It... Hmm. Howard Stern's a pretty big comic fan, so... He wears a lot of yellow for that uh, Buttman outfit. That is true. That's We're dating ourselves a lot, too, by the way. I don't I don't know that anybody in the last... <laughs> Everybody, everybody, no, 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 fuck that. Everybody's seen the VMAs from 1995. Everybody's seen this. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a far pull. That's deep. <laughs> uh, but, but seriously, um, condolences. Here's the funny, it's not funny, but like, you know, people always say, and even I think I, I, I wrote on our Facebook page, you know, condolences to Steve Ditko's family. Steve Ditko, no family. He has like a nephew. Uh, name counts, man. Name name Steve Steve Ditko actually same name, huh. um, but that's it. That's all he's got. I'm just it's you know he's he's sublimed it over there. Um, full full life uh, lived to the ni- age of ninety. Oh yeah, that's, that's that's way above and beyond. So here's here's a little like here's the comic book characters exclusive on Steve Ditko. I'm actually gonna try to get uh, and I think you know him too. My friend Scott. So my friend Scott is a is a true vintage comic collector. He really deals in a lot of Silver Age, Marvel, uh, and Wonder Woman especially. He took it upon himself to write Steve Ditko um, a few months ago, actually. Like it, it was within uh, like within either twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. It's pretty recent. Mm-hmm. He wrote Steve Ditko a letter, just saying like a, a very like he spent hours upon hours on this thing days writing this letter to steve it was pages tape pages of a, a letter uh you know just saying he, he hired a copy <laughs> editor <laughs> <laughs> yeah he put in the work he put in the time right so here's the thing he gets back a one-page response from steve ditko uh-huh. uh hey, i believe it's handwritten just 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 roasting him just oh shit! Just Ditko. I mean, I I don't I I almost don't want to paraphrase. I, I I read the letter, but it's been a while. It essentially says something to the effect of, "Who are you to have so much time to write all of these words? I'm not going to read." Oh my god! <laughs> 
please get a life. Oh my god! <laughs> Sincerely, Steve Ditko. Like, and apparently this is the thing that Ditko did. I don't think he was doing a bit. I think he's just a crotchety, you know, <laughs> 90-year-old old New Yorker, man. Like, he just has not have time for it. <laughs> like... Like <laughs> he took a li- more than two paragraphs. Fuck out of here. Like the gentleman in him, like in the the etiquette person in him, was like, "Well, I got you know." He wrote me a letter. I have to respond to it. Mm-hmm. But like the crotchety man in him was like, "I'm not going to say anything." That so my friend Scott has framed this letter as he should. Yeah. And uh, I really wish I would have reached out to Ditko um, because I I like I seriously. I'll, we'll, see, we'll see if we can get Scott uh, on the podcast just to read the letter. Uh, it's that'd be great. It is tremendous. So let's we'll look look out for that. CBC. I was I was gonna give Steve Steve Ditko the the Undertaker gong, but I think this might be a little bit more appropriate. <laughs> I Saudi died on us. So he died. <laughs> oh no! I knew it! I knew it! You piece of shit! Wait, why do you always do this? Ah, let's see. I'll give you one more chance, Saudi. <laughs> I just feel Again? like no. It just sounds like a take. It sounds like a. I'm not even. Well, gonna, I'm so, not even gonna edit I mean, this out. This that's kind of what it was. That was. Uh, I was giving him boxing belts instead of Undertaker going. Oh, okay. Well, maybe maybe he's still. And working, now man. he just gets the sound of my delicious pour up. Because uh, I'm mixing a drink. Right. Very nice. But seriously, rest in peace, Steve Ditko. Um, I, I obviously my favorite character wouldn't exist without him, and uh, it's a it's a sad loss for sure. Um. I really hope we get our hands on that letter, though. Get Scott to read it. Okay, so I hope Soundy gets his shit together one day. Well, you know, he did okay He's last time. Twenty-five. He was. He was. He was doing no pretty prospects. Good. Not in school. <laughs> oh no, that's 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 the wayward, wayward road. It's the path. Uh, let's talk about he, Amen. At this rate, he's going to end up in jail like Scott Lang. Okay, good. Nice segue. Thank you. <laughs> Pleasure. Pleasure. Uh, da, 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 da. Not my problem. Um, uh, <laughs> that's a Jeff Goldblum reset. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. 20th straight number one opening for Marvel Studios. The Mad Flex. Uh, uh, unprecedented? Unprecedented. You may call us Marvel fanboys. We're just spitting truth. Okay, <laughs> 20th straight movie at number one. That is insane. It's insane. Now, granted, it only drew in a modest $76 million domestic. I want to get to the point in my life where earning $76 million for an, a creative effort is considered modest and, and almost bordering, borderline failure. <laughs> right. I want to get to the point where $76 million lifetime achievement is considered modest like if i get to the like yeah. that's not gonna happen it's not gonna <laughs> i already know it's not gonna happen but like you know if I, at the end of my life i made 76 million dollars and people are like eh that i want that life where's that life um <clears throat> here's the thing it, it, it actually outperformed the first ant-man which i believe hung around 58 60 million so mm-hmm. it improved on that number um, a lot of people were were curious as to how would this movie pan out because the first one, you know, if we go back to it, it had a lot of controversy. Originally, Edgar Wright, the auteur Edgar Wright, uh, was originally attached to direct, write Ant Man. Eventually, left the product or uh, uh, left the uh, production. Peyton Reed 
came on, uh, finished up the film, made a lot of tweaks. A lot of people were unsure, like, what part was Edgar Wright? What part was Peyton Reed? Um, was a lot of the success of the film due to Edgar Wright? Well, this time Peyton Reed had the reins from day one. And I would say that he succeeded. It's, it's an enjoyable film. Thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I thought for sure, like, the one point, a part in the first Ant-Man that I could pick out as belonging completely only to Edgar Wright was when um, Ant-Man and, like, I guess Yellow Jacket were, uh, shrunk, were shrunken down in uh, his daughter's bedroom. And, uh, like, the iPhone was kind of, like, between them. And, like, Siri was activated. And uh, Yellow Jacket goes, I'm going to disintegrate you! And so he goes, plain disintegration by the cure. And plain song starts playing. <laughs> I was the only one laughing in the theater as loud as I... Loud as, I mean, probably way too loud so <laughs> i thought that has to be edgar wright's joke but then in this movie morrissey makes a cameo out of nowhere and so it's like oh shit maybe it says peyton reed yeah it's it's I, it's hard to tell if like maybe he realized what because I, I i thought so too i thought that that sequence from the first movie was an edgar wright thing mm-hmm. and i don't know if maybe he just like knew that that worked and so he kind of piggybacked off of it Right, which is fine. I well, you know, we'll never know. I really want that behind-the-scenes documentary on what Edgar Wright was going to do with this film. Ooh, the pop-up video version. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Man, why won't they bring that back? They should bring that back. Jesus, talk about dating ourselves. I love pop-up video. Though. It's good. It's good times. I remember for some reason I remember the uh, that that uh, I'm no, a no, bitch. No, no, no. I'm yeah, a mother. I'm a your child. I'm a like that song. Meredith Brooks. Meredith Brooks. The pop-up video, that's the only one I remember distinctly for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> so, all right, off track, off track. Um, all right, before we get any further into Amen and the Wasp, spoiler alert, by the way, because we are not going to try to not spoil it for everyone out there. Chris, I've got a little twist on this one for you. Oh, okay. This is better. What happened in Ant-Man and the Wasp, or Ant-Man and Wasp, through the character arc and eyes of one Cassie Lang. Oh shit! What happens? In, what happens in Cassie Lang's eyes? Story? <laughs> From her point of view? Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. So Daddy didn't have to go away this time. It's okay. We well, have to Daddy do a first person. Here. You have to do a first person. I mean, you can't. No, no. Fuck it. I'm committed now. Okay. I'm committed. <laughs> Daddy just stays at home all the time. I come to see Daddy every once in a while. We go on fun little adventures. If you, if we were both shrunken down, uh, then I go back to my house with Mom and uh, Bobby Caravano or, or whatever his name is. Uh, <laughs> and he added uh, some extra vowels and consonants. <laughs> And I cover for Daddy because he's doing something bad, but it's for a good reason. And then uh, uh, we watch a movie at the end with the Wasp. <laughs> there you go. Oh wait, also you want to be his partner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, right. Yeah, I, I tell her to her face because I'm like eight and I got that kind of swag. That's a lot of swag. Um, yeah. So that's what happens in Ammon and Wasp. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you shouldn't be listening to this. Go see it and then come back. We'll be here. And be astonished as to how accurate my recreation was. <laughs> so accurate. So stunningly accurate. Okay. Um, Chris, what stood out for you, Ant-Man and Wasp? What, what, what's the thing that you felt this movie did absolutely correctly? It was like a 
out and out sequel, man. It was like a chapter two of this story. It was great because uh, with Marvel, you kind of get it's you know hit or miss <laughs> with how their second movies kind of come out. It could be um, Iron Man two, which is like ah, it's kind of like same formula as the first one because we're just figuring ourselves out. Or it could be fucking the it could be uh, Captain America Winter Soldier and shit. Um, or is, is that was that the title of that yeah. movie? Okay. <laughs> Civil War is throwing me completely off my game. Um, I was trying to call it like Civil Soldier, but that's not it. That's kind of contradiction <laughs> in terms. He's uh, he's uh, right. he's there to process your DMV application. <laughs> <laughs> it could be Captain America Winter Soldier. It was just completely like, oh wow, this is like some whatever first adventure did that was fine, but this is our stuff now. And or it could be Thor: The Dark World, um, which is like, ah, it's okay. Just like the first one, or it could be Guardians Two, which is like, oh, oh, yeah, I get it. No, yeah, and, and then the third act's good. Um, <laughs> for whatever reason, it seems like the they, the second one is always really hard for Marvel to do. But for this one, it, it, I, I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought kind of like a, it almost has a running start from the first movie. Like we get the events from um, Captain America: Civil War because uh, Scott was involved in that a lot. Right. So. Um, it picks up right there, and, and it deals with the consequences that were established in the first and the second movie, or our first movie, and then 1.5, which is Cap Civil War. And then um, I thought it expounds on that, expands on that a little bit, a little bit, you know, to its advantage. And then it uses all that stuff that already has happened to kind of uh, do something else. Yeah. So I thought I thought it was it was a really good second effort. Me too. Like you, you put out a great, uh, you made a great point in that the the sophomore efforts for Marvel have been middling to, like, good, with the one exception being, of course, Captain America Winter Soldier, which is yeah. balls amazing. Um, what I really liked about this film is that um, it didn't fall into the trap of needing to be, and ironically, because it's Ant-Man, it didn't feel like it ever needed to be bigger than it was. There was no world events there wasn't saving the planet about any of it it was self-contained it was yeah. very intimate in terms of the story and the stakes uh i agree i you know that's something that some people complain about with and it's it's gonna happen because this, if you're trying to connect all of these films and build this giant universe you're not always going to be able to uh neatly tie up things that come up in other films or even things in its own franchise, sometimes they get left behind. You know, they, mm -hmm. they, they minimize it um, in the MCU films, but it does happen. So the fact that they did take Captain America's Civil War, the Sokovia Accords, you know, uh, Scotland getting caught, all of that into account and it directly affecting this story was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, grounding it kind of like like having his daughter be such a central part of like his uh, kind of arc, that like um, it, it benefits a whole lot from that. Just because, like you said, it was like really intimate. It's, it's personal. Like he has actual stakes in this, right? And they're not like life or death stakes necessarily, but it's the relationship to his daughter. It's you know, there's other things. I guess there is life or death for for ghosts in a way, but. The other thing I really liked about this film is it. it and I, look, I love this movie. I love it way more than I should. Um, I'm not ashamed. <laughs> I love Jingle All the Way, right? Yeah. It's, my, it's one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. Shouts to uh, Sinbad. Uh, Wait for the tie in. Okay. But Jingle All the Way does this thing with Arnold Schwarzenegger's character where he, as a father, is constantly disappointing um, 
the kid in the movie. Why doesn't my son want the chopper? And and that's that that's a that's an old trope. You see it in films all of the time. Uh, even even the first Ant Man was a little bit of that. This film, Scott, time and time again comes through for Cassie. Mm-hmm. He he lives up to her expectation, and, and occasionally even exceeds it. And she's very proud of him. And and I love seeing that. You know, it's just you don't you don't see that trope that dynamic as often in film. So I was really happy to see that they, uh, you know, it almost made me wonder if like Peyton Reed or, or the, you know, maybe, maybe Paul, Paul Rudd, I know, uh, partly wrote the film or if somebody that had a hand in writing the film is like a, a like a divorced father. That's <laughs> that just yearns for their children to love them and, and care. Um, One of those uh, two Fridays a month dads. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, it, it, it's a it's a prescient kind of like a sentiment to kind of draw on because uh, it's 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 real. Yeah. So um, let's see what else about Ant Man. Um, how did you feel about the humor? Did you feel it nailed it? Was it as funny as you thought it was going to be? Did it feel flat? What, what do you where do you fall on there on that line? It, it was it, it worked when it worked. Um, it's kind of vague, but that's the best way I can think about it. I mean, like Michael Pena's in it already, and you know what kind of role he's going to deliver uh, in these movies, at least. I, I mean, if you're looking for him to be funny in Traffic, uh, you know, good good luck. It's uh, <laughs> not much humor in that movie overall, but uh, <laughs> you, you know what kind of role he plays in this one. He's like a better Ned kind of. Um, so. Yeah, I, I thought that it wasn't, like, detracting. It wasn't, like... Um, I've heard, like, a weird criticism of Ragnarok from a couple different places. Like, uh, it's too jokey. And I thought, motherfucker, like, what did... That's the only thing that Ragnarok really... That, that's its that's his lane. Like, uh, it's an Escalade with five people in it. Let it be in the HOV lane, man. It's fine. <laughs> um, So, I, I that, that one kind of confuses me. Uh, I don't think you can make the same argument for this one. I don't think the... Uh, the the jokes and the quips kind of detract from it or anything. If anything, it's like true to the characters because we know who, like uh, all the people who work with Michael Pena's character. I know that or Luis, I guess. Uh, all those guys, we are you know Ti and that other guy who worked for the Joker in Dark Knight. <laughs> I don't know its actual name. But, the uh, guy who's very kinda... scared of the Baba Yaga. Yeah, exactly. That's authentic. That's to his character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he would react like that. Um, <laughs> It's hard to scare those guys, and they would react kind of with humor. So I thought it worked. I thought it worked, uh, you know, organically almost. Yeah, I I, I like the humor. Um, there's a se- a sequence where Scott goes to Cassie's school that is especially, <laughs> in terms of physical humor, is hilarious. It just it's 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 an, it it never stops being funny. It's that uncanny valley type thing, though, right? Yeah, <laughs> like it's a, uh, it's what's his name with his adult face on the child's body. Yeah, it's uh, Paul Rudd. Yeah, I, I wonder, I'm wondering how no, they... we talked about that before. Like, uh, home, homeboy is supposed to play like uh, Shazam or Black Zachary Adam. Levi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, if his head was just on a child's body, that'd be perfect. Oh yeah, and we that, did talk about that. Kind of did that. Yeah. Again, I mean, we know Fags listens too this podcast maybe maybe they threw some inspiration um so i felt that the humor was was pretty spot on um if anything i i did feel i felt like you've got paul rudd you've got michael pena 
I almost was expecting it to be a, a little more funny than it was. Um, hmm. But, you know, it was... I thought it, I thought it did hit all the right notes. One one complaint that I saw about the... that I've seen with this film <clears throat> is that the... The the Walton um, Goggins, I think is the actor's name. I call Wally Goggs. The <laughs> the Southern uh, Simon uh, Birch, I think is Simon Birch. That that character is is he almost doesn't have a place in this film. It's, oh yeah, um, yeah yeah. He uh, Captain Forehead there, Mr. <coughs> Fivehead. Yeah, Fivehead. So I've actually seen this online. Let me throw this at you. Somebody posted. Instead of having Simon Birch be that, you know, existing in that role, yeah, why not just bring back Justin Hammer, Sam Rockwell, yeah, from Iron Man? Because that that character would have fit perfectly in that role as a black market arms dealer, yeah, and that way you could tie it more, you know, more tightly into the MCU. And I don't know if Sam Rockwell was available or if they even considered it, but that would have been nice. I would have liked to have seen that. What was his fate at the end of Iron Man Two? Was he gonna go like he went to jail? Prison? He went yeah. to jail. But I mean, at this point, he probably would be out of jail. He could be out of jail, you know. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, I haven't. It's been a while since I've like actually looked up the Marvel MCU timeline because I know that uh, some fans are dedicated to doing that, and you know, uh, to them we salute you and all that shit. But I, I'm not really concerned too much with like the those intimate details of the MCU. Right. Um. Yeah, I guess that would have worked. I, I thought for sure that like by the end of the movie. I thought like, oh, because oh, I guess this goes to my p- kind of like big pet peeve with the movie was his character, um, like his arc isn't resolved really. Like he says he's like doing this on behalf of somebody else. He like mentions that like at least twice, mm-hmm. maybe three times. But like, well, well fucking who? Well, right. I need to see that reveal. I want to see who you're working for, motherfucker. Um, so because of his enormous like forehead. I have to work on the work under the presumption that he's actually a super scroll. Oh, okay. That this is a this is a tie into Captain Marvel. <laughs> there you go. All right, maybe, maybe. I mean, they got to do it somewhere, and we'll actually we'll actually talk about Captain how how this film could possibly tie into Captain Marvel in, in just a minute. Yeah, uh, may, maybe though. I I, mean, I can't tell if you, I think you're joking a little bit, but like. I mean, maybe either that, either, either that or Modok. Maybe he was Modok in disguise. Uh, <laughs> Where's the floating chair, but... man? You can't. Add <laughs> That's the thing. It was like it, it, we never really saw his body. <laughs> I guess maybe so. it was all just dangling. We uh, never really paid attention to it. Wow. That's not true. No, he got picked That's up off the it. boat. So. It'd be nice if it was true. Um, okay. I choose uh, it to be true. Uh, favorite, favorite moment for me, by the way, uh, Michael Pena, uh, Louis, Louis is. Uh, once he gets the truth serum and oh shit starts telling the story i mean everybody was waiting for that uh <laughs> highlight of the film for me <laughs> did any any particular character or actor stand out for you in this one uh man uh you you, you took the juicy bits already but <laughs> and i've already talked about the morrissey part i think i guess um ghost really stood out to me I thought that's like a really, really interesting concept for a, a villain. And again, they did this they did this thing. They're learning, like you said, uh, off the air. Uh, Marvel's learning to do antagonists a little bit better. Um, she, she's on her own shit. She's not exactly bad for being bad, but she, she wants a, a goal that's kind of opposite the protagonist's goal. Right. And I think that's smart. 
Yeah, they're 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 going the uh, the Eric Killmonger route. Yeah. So the so Ghost Ava slash Ghost is Hannah uh, Kamen, um, who apparently is in a uh, show called Killjoys, which I've never seen, and um, she's also been in a few episodes of Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, but we see that her story might continue. And so that'll be interesting to see if she ends up playing any kind of role in either Avengers or other MCU films moving forward. Uh, the ghost. That, <laughs> they kind yeah. of just left him in an alley at the end. Yeah. Ghost, the character, the comic character, uh, is primarily an Iron Man villain. So it'll, you know, it would be interesting to see if she somehow gets involved in Stark Tech somehow. Mm. Uh, let me throw, before we, we start talking about where we think the story may go. Let me throw out some quick trivia, uh, trivia for for the listeners out Ooh, there. Quick hits. So, <laughs> Sharon Stone. And I, I laughed at this because when I saw Michelle Pfeiffer, I was like, "Oh yeah, I wonder why." They, I'm, I'm like, "I guess they could have gotten her or Sharon Stone." Like I literally thought that in my head. <laughs> and apparently, Sharon Stone was strongly considered for the role of Janet Van Dyne. So, there you oh. go. There. Uh, forever linked. Michelle Pfeiffer, here's kind of funny because uh, Scott makes this joke about uh, being entangled with Janet in the quantum yeah. realm. And Sweet he t- he tells um, uh, Hank, he tells Hank, oh, I, would ne- I respect you too much. I would never do that. <laughs> Oddly enough, Michelle Pfeiffer and Paul Rudd played lovers in a movie called <laughs> I Could Never Be Your Woman, 2007. Wow. Um, in this film, Michelle Pfeiffer ends up playing his girl, uh, Paul Rudd's girlfriend's mother in that film, and uh, they're, uh, they're lovers. So there you go. Um, so uh, I think I mentioned this earlier, but Paul Rudd actually has a writing credit on this film. Uh, this is, I believe, the first MCU film where the uh, primary actor has a writing credit into the film. The only other one uh, prior to this that I can think of is Ryan Reynolds, of course, with Deadpool uh, 2. But that's oh, yeah. not an MCU film. Uh, Randall Park, who who does a great job as Jimmy Woo, uh, FBI agent Jimmy Woo, um, that character is actually a character from the comic book. Jimmy Woo, oh. in the comic, is an a- agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and creates something called the Agents of Atlas, which is like a super spy team. So I doubt they go in. Wait, 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 wait. The agents of shields are already supposed to be super spies. They're like super duper spies. I mean, they're like a different kind of spies. I'm not familiar with agents of Atlas. I I mean, all right. (laughs) They just want to make acronyms, don't they? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I don't remember what Atlas stands for, but it definitely does stand for something. Uh, but Jimmy Woo, so Jimmy Woo in theory could could pop up later on in the MCU. It'd be it'd be almost more interesting if he, if he were a member of Stars. Wow, like Jill <laughs> Valentine. Yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> wow. I know if you're gonna get it. <laughs> wow. What's up, Raccoon City? All right, so let's okay. So uh, a frequent guest of our show, Jay Alexis, who we actually will hope to have on uh, on the next episode. Horrors of the Universe. Horrors of the Universe podcast. Uh, Jay Alexis Productions. Uh, he's he's. Uh, I mean, Jay's got fingers in all the bots. I'll just put it that way. Ooh. Um, 
But Jay, Jay surmised an interesting theory about, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna briefly touch on it. I want Jay to to talk about it whenever whenever uh, whenever Jay can come on the show. Jay says that you know Ant Man. We'll talk about let's talk about the, let's talk about the bumpers right on the end, the end credits, mid credits sequences. Yeah, we see Ant Man jump into the tiny um, quantum realm tunnel. And remember, don't go too far into the time stream. We can't bring you back from that. Right. Don't go. Don't, I. I think. She, I think she actually says, or he, Hank Pym says, don't hit any of the time vortex. We can't bring you back if you hit one of those. No, no. Michelle Pfeiffer actually goes, don't go into the dangerous mines because then you'll be an inner city teen, and you have to write papers. And you got to deal with Coolio. Yeah. No one wants to deal with Coolio. <laughs> you know how I know that's true? When how? was the last time you saw Coolio do anything? The last time I saw Coolio do something, he had uh, just two braids, and they were sticking up out of a hat. And the key point is that they were sticking up out of a hat. He was actually sh- clean-shaven, and those those dreads were attached to the hat. So <laughs> you're right. You don't want to deal with Coolio with, with any sort of proximity these days. Right. So Scott jumps into the tunnel. He has a little quantum energy uh, device to, to suck up the energy. Um, he, he gets the countdown for them to bring him back. Five, four, three. Like just buzz sounding like just nothing. And then we see the camera pans back and Hank and Hope and Janet are dust. Oh, oh, the scorpions hit again, man. The dust in the wind. I mean, the thing is, this film is a fun film. It ends with them sh- like they're shrunken down. They're watching the film on a tele, like on a on a phone, but it looks like it's a drive-in. Real good time. Cassie's being adorable, and then this happens. Why you gotta do this? Also, Hope Van Dyne missing for thirty years. She's back for like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and she's dust again. So and she's uh, dust. Oh, this is actually a good thing. I uh, uh, I'm glad you said two weeks because it kind of brings up something I was thinking about, like uh, from Infinity War. Um, so during the movie, and I think Infinity War takes place over the course of 48 hours, Earth time. I have no um, idea. I've I, I I've been wondering exactly how much time that that movie is supposed to take place in. The, the last rabbit hole I went down kind of like ended me up at some sort of Marvel MCU wiki, and I think it, from what the fans were saying, it was like about forty eight hours is a stretch of, of of Infinity Wars. But Black Widow ends up saying like, uh, you know, oh, he took a plea deal or he took some sort of deal, and he's under house arrest. Like he's out of house arrest by the time Infinity by the time the dusting happens. So maybe he just, he just has to make contact with them. Yeah, or, that's possible. Because because otherwise, yeah. like, who's gonna find him? Nobody knows he's there. Yeah. Uh, my mom actually brought up a good point. She's like, "Well, what about his friends? Like, does the cons, ex-cons? Because they're in they're in Louise's van, right? So at some oh, point, yeah. so may, maybe, right? But this is what Jay said. Jay said, "I I, I I doubt that's like a lever they can just push up and like because there's algorithms and, and small yeah, I, they're definitely so so then." My sister uh, Bianca, they really bring it this time. She goes, well, <laughs> she goes. What about what about the Goliath guy? He's she's like he's really smart, right? Wouldn't he be able to maybe pull him back? I'm like, yeah, maybe. I mean, that's they're leaving themselves some outs. I think Goliath, uh, Bill Foster. Oh shit! Okay, uh, 
Is that the same Goliath from X-Men? Mm, it's wait, there's a Goliath in X-Men? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember like Jugger uh I'm the Juggernaut bitch. Uh at one point he's like, "Oh no." Goliath. Oh no, that's Gladiator. Oh, Gladiator. Oh, that was Gladiator? Gladiator. Okay. Okay. Strike that from the record then. All right. Um so they have outs. They have easier outs, but Dre surmised that what if Scott stuck in the in the quantum realm hits a time vortex bamps back to the 90s yeah comes out in captain marvel somehow <laughs> yeah. and then eventually captain marvel he helps captain marvel and captain marvel helps him get back to where he's supposed to go i like it i didn't i had not thought of that at all i think he would be the perfect kind of cameo character to bring into captain marvel Oh, oh, dude! Oh, shit! What if he like does something that inadvertently sends you know, like a uh, present day Scott Lang, which is I guess like uh, the one who's gone through the events of Ant Man one and two. Uh, he, he sets him off on a life of crime, and he ends up <laughs> like he, he he's the cause for him becoming a criminal and getting became... locked up and getting divorced. Yeah! And... <laughs> I mean, sure, they could do that. I like that. Here's my theory, and then I want to hear if you have any thoughts on, on what yeah. could happen. Because anything can happen at this point. Yeah, yeah. That, keep in mind, though, they have already finished shooting Avengers 4. And mm -hmm. that script has been written for a while. That doesn't mean that they didn't take this into consideration. I'm sure they did. What if he... Um, he gets stuck into a time vortex... But it doesn't put him in the past. Oh, it shit. puts him in the future. Oh, shit. And he is, he literally is the opening sequence of Avengers 4. Is not Avengers 4 doesn't take place a few months after um, Infinity War. It takes place years after Infinity War. Oh, I'm talking dude. like 10 years into the future. 10 years? Scott Lang... Pops out of the quantum realm. It's now uh -huh. 10 years later. Cassie is grown up. She's a superhero. No. There's there's a oh, few no. other superheroes left. They're all trying to cobble shit together because the world is in disarray. Scott appears and is like, whoa, what the? Cassie, is that you? Oh, my God. And then he, ha he still has that canister of quantum realm energy which then an old tony stark gets a hold of and they make time devices to go back in time and try oh, to fix shit. everything they do a back to the future scenario that's my take wow wow that i mean i wish soundy i wish soundy was not a bitch right now i mean it's try it. working see what he does try him out uh, uh, all right let's see <laughs> okay anything oh yeah yeah, a little, a little bit of cheering. I can hear it. A little bit? That's, I mean, that's all I deserve. But no. <laughs> I like the theory a lot, man. That's great. How how I, exciting would that story be? It's where... so good that it's definitely not going to happen. <laughs> Look, it's fakes. Like, it's, like, it's like what I've wanted all along with, like, Strange finding some, like, you know, you know, path be you know, between the different multiverses and bringing in, like, six Spider-Men. To kind of help out, help out the situation. That's never going to happen. Oh, uh, man, this is really, really solid. I think that really, really works. This is never going to happen just because of that. I'm saying, face. You got we we know you have people listening. Here you go. I'm here. Okay, just like what's a, what's like a starting salary for Marvel on the on the production side? <laughs> like 100k? Like 150 thousand? 
I'll take a hundred k. Like, let's start small. I'll undercut it. Eighty-five. <laughs> Look, I'm bringing Chris along. Okay, Chris, don't undercut <laughs> me right now, man. We're negotiating for both of us. Sixty. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I, I that just came to me. I. I could see it happening. I think that as a skeleton structure for the narrative of the of that story is so engaging, and you could do so much with that. Uh, like, um, it gives RDJ like walkaway potential. Yeah. Uh, you know how mad I am going to be when this is t- when this turns out to be the first ten minutes of uh, fucking <laughs> Avengers Four. By the way, the first I called the first ten minutes of Avengers Three. Ah. Uh, uh, yeah? Like, note for note. I called the uh, Loki death. I, ca- I called so. Banner getting pushed to Earth. I. So, can I go two for two? I mean, let's hope so. <laughs> honestly. Because I'm all in on this theory. I I know it's my theory. Like, it's, I kind of feel like a dick just being so excited about it. But, like, <laughs> I really want this to be the story. I love Back to the Future. So, anytime you can, like, credibly do that kind of story... Mm-hmm. And in a in a universe where you've had ten years of narrative that you can jump around in, as long as you do it carefully and with, um, with honor to to the stories that have made all of this, I think it would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it it definitely is like the that's a, that's a very creative out. I think uh, we we know that Avengers: Infinity War. The the writers say that no, that shit happened. Everybody's dust. Uh, start keep the tissues out if you if you already had them. Um, just pretend they're all dead. This is a good out. Yeah, and not only that, maybe maybe you know maybe uh, they only have so much quantum realm energy, so maybe they go back and try to fix certain events, but they fail. So like certain mm-hmm. characters stay dead. Yeah, you know, but other times they succeed and those characters live. So that's that's a really easy way to to not lose the stakes of Infinity War. And, you know, that way that way they can't just be going back in time all willy nilly, you know, so we can't bring everybody back. Falcon. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> can't bring everyone back. Black Panther. Just kidding. Everyone. Whoa, whoa! Of course, they're <laughs> of course, they're bringing back. Black Panther. No, they bring they bring back the wrong Black Panther. It's it's uh it's Eric Killmonger. Oh, wow. Injidaku. Mm, yeah. Uh, okay. I so I just I said a lot. I just did a lot right now. Do you have any other theories about where this story could go, or how how this can further impact the MCU? He he, 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 he goes back to the nineties. Yeah. Uh, he comes back to right after the events that uh, we saw with the uh, the three dusting of the Van Dyne and the Pims. Um, he he come he, he comes back. And he's surfboarding Coolio's uh, Impala sixty four. Wow. He's going on a fantastic voyage, man. Did you re- I have one question for you. Did you yeah, recently yeah. become Coolio's representative? Are you his agent? <laughs> My man still got the bars. He can work well in the mumble rap era. I think Coolio is being look- overlooked for many different reasons, not just the, the dreads. You're giving the man a lot of rub right now. And last I checked, hold on. Yeah, it's 2018, July 2018. So, whatever, dude. Redman has an album out right now. Questionable. It's possible. Questionable. Okay. Uh, moving on. 
uh, by the way, everyone, I mean, clearly, if you've listened this far, you've probably already seen Ant-Man, but go see it. It's a good time. It's a it's a real fun time right up until the damn uh, mid credit sequence. And then uh, it is no, a very dude, sad time. That, that's why everybody wanted to go. See. I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain that that's why it's number one right now. <laughs> it was like, shit, what else? What else happens after Infinity War? Everybody's just waiting for that. But it's such a good time. And then it immediately all that joy gets sucked out. Um, also, we see the yeah. giant ant at the end playing drums. That was really eerie. Oh, he should have done a rib shot. Oh, a thousand percent. Just, with the EBS, oh, fucking the EBS, the emergency broadcast system in, in movies, it, when it's used as a trope, uh, that still fucking ch- sends chills down my spine. Uh, after, after, you know, after the ant was done drumming, Anthony, the fourth or whatever, after he was done drumming, he just, he just should have went like, yeah. That would have oh. been amazing. By the way, also, nice touch, Marvel. For Ant-Man and the Wasp will return. Period. Question mark. Switches to a question mark. I'm like, why are you doing this, dude? Why? Oh, real stakes. All right. Speaking of Infinity War, we did get news that it's uh, quite possible, and actually, we're quite hopeful that the Blu-ray will contain 30 minutes of Thanos backstory. We're now. Uh, on the run-up to Infinity War coming out, we talked about this, and the mm-hmm. Roosters had already said that, yes, there was a lot of Thanos backstory that they ended up cutting from the film because it was just yeah. too long. And I remember my initial thought was, like, no, it's not. Put it back in. I'll make the movie <laughs> five hours. I don't care. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> um, so the fact that we know that footage exists. It should be on the Blu-ray, but the fact that they're already talking about this... Um, you know, I, I doubt that they would tease you with something like this and then not follow through. Right. Um, beyond the 30 minutes of Thanos backstory, what is something you hope that the Infinity War Blu-ray contains? Oh, oh, okay. Uh, three songs, uh, all of which are licensed properties from 90s era, all of which Thanos is just dancing to after he manages a snap. Um, and he's feeling good about himself because he's lost so much. He's lost everything. It right. cost him everything. It cost him everything. This. Personally, he lost a lot. But he still has Spotify. Uh, so he's listening to three songs on repeat. They are The Cardigans, Love Fool. Okay. Duncan Sheik, Barely Breathing. <laughs> and Dishwalla, Counting Blue Cars. Is it 1996? Where it's, 19, it's 1996. That, that's Thanos' wheelhouse, and he's just dancing around. <laughs> happy as all could be he finally did it wow listen to those three songs listen to those three songs back to back to back and tell me that you do not picture a purple shack just dancing around with a broken infinity gauntlet on his hand i mean i like it's it possible I, I like that you think outside the box who who, who do we need to get geffen records on the, like who, who is it that we need to reach out to <laughs> who was like the preeminent record label of 1996? <laughs> uh, uh, Columbia House? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's been a yeah while. sure, Columbia. I'm pretty sure. Uh, let's, let's go Geffen. We'll try them first. Um, yeah, but so, you know, hopefully we'll get to find out a little more about what the Infinity War Blu-ray will have as we get closer to the release date. Moving on. Hey, we've got some DC news. See, we're not all just, uh, you know, we're not all just Marvel fanboys here. Um, so birds of prey. Hey, Soundy, what are you booing? Okay, <laughs> nobody asked you. Uh, what a dick! <laughs> birds of prey, which was originally a, I think, late '90s 
TV show, not that great. Uh, my sister loves it, but it's not that good. Whatever. Um, they're going to be making a movie. It's going to star Harley Quinn. Margaret Robbie is Harley Quinn. There might be Batgirl in it. There might be Huntress. We, we don't know who's going to be in it beyond Margot Robbie at this point. But we did get two interesting, um, or really three uh, tidbits. One, it's shooting in January of next year. So it's it's already going. It's going to be a thing. Uh, two, wh- they're all dressed as nuns at the beginning. <laughs> Wait, what? It's Birds of Prey. Get it? Oh, nice. Well, they're not <laughs> going to do that. They're not that clever. That's really funny. but You won't? <laughs> no balls zero they're like um, they're like a public elementary school after they outlawed dodgeball <laughs> man dark days no balls um, the film is going to start shooting generating. now the thing we, we've even talked about this in previous episodes Warner Brothers is notorious right now for just having <coughs> like 19 films on the slate like there's all this talk about all of these like two Joker films, uh, there's uh, so many films like on the slate possibly coming out, but we don't know if they're actually going to ever come out because uh, these movies keep doing worse and worse and worse, and then you know they they're going to scrap everything. Uh, right now, Aquaman is a go, Shazam is a go, and now Birds of Prey is a go. Those three films specifically. This film starts shooting in January. It's going to be R-rated, which is interesting. Hmm. And apparently it's going to have a much smaller budget compared to all the other DC uh, EU films. Actually, I, I, a, a, two-thirds of the budget? What? What? Oh. <laughs> it's still going to be blowing. <laughs> I, I think this is a good idea. I think I think you do something on, on the 60 maybe $70 million scale and, and, and make it nice and tight in terms of story and action beats. Don't go too crazy. Like, Harley Quinn is just kind of like a normal person. She doesn't really have superpowers. She doesn't need right. to be fighting some stupid witch, dancing witch, that's trying to blue beam the earth you out of You don't have the balls. Again with the balls. Again with the balls. Uh, What do you what do you think about all this, Birds of Prey? Do you think this is, this is the correct next project for them to say, yeah, we're going to do it? Oh, hell yeah. If anything, like uh, that's the only kind of sort of I don't know moral high ground that DCEU has over Marvel, is like we got to the female superhero first, motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to that shit. Yeah. At this point, the best they could do is counter programming. Yeah. They should have like a Harley Quinn standalone. They should have like fucking Zatanna. They should have. Hey man, I know a lot of people that'd be pretty psyched about the Zatanna anything. I mean me, day me, one. Including me. I'm pointing at myself. You can't see. <laughs> right here. Uh Zatanna's amazing. Uh no, yeah. for real though. They, they should lean into that. that only, that's that's their wheelhouse now. Not only that, they have Wonder Woman. They yeah. got Harley Quinn. And they nailed both of those characters. They did a really good job with each of those characters. Uh, Wonder Woman even more so to me than Harley Quinn, but they they did they put a pretty good foundation. Margot I mean, Robbie need, is awesome. She, she needs to say Mr. J at least once. <laughs> yeah. I felt like she almost did a couple of times, but she said pudding. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're, I think you're hundred percent right. Lean into it. Warner brothers. Do you hate money? Like make, do something, do it. You won't. <laughs> I, I, I don't think two jokers is the way to go. <laughs> definitely not. The definitely not. And let me, let me give you, Oh, here's unless, something. Unless, unless one of them is Janelle Monet. 
Right. Oh, right. That was on Twitter or something, right? Yeah. Were, some some fan or something was like, who could play Batman? Name everyone. And then someone said, uh, General Monet. And then she like retweeted like, nah, I want to be the Joker. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. Uh, a thousand percent, yes. Make her the Joker. Do that. Scrap the other two Joker films. <laughs> Do the one with General Monet. She's amazing. Um what, oh, okay. So actually, this this is a good segue because we're about to uh, relax, kick our shoes off, get some Uh-oh. coffee and pie. I'm of course talking about casting corner. Elizabeth. Oh wow! I see, you know it's so funny. Okay, so couple of, real quick. I know that you love to reference Sanford and Son with the casting yeah. corner jingle. Somebody <laughs> else has pointed out that they think it sounds like the jingle to Sister Sister. Oh shit! Which okay, so I saw a meme earlier today where BET uh-huh. added like the atid on Twitter uh, Tia Maori and said Happy Birthday Tia Maori, and uh-huh. then Tamara Maori replied, "Oh, what the hell!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. <laughs> Completely uncomic related, but like oh, just amazing. But here's here's a, here's something I forgot to put on the Slack. Going back to the two Jokers thing, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not even going to say what my thoughts are, but I'm going to throw it out there, and I just want you to tell me what you think. Yeah, Jared Leto is going to play Morbius, the Living Vampire, for Sony, which is a Spider-Man villain. It's going to be a, an offshoot film, one one-shot film. This is going to be him. What the fuck, Jared Leto? the worst Joker to ever grace this earth is going to play Morbius. Now I have thoughts, but before I get into my thoughts, what are your thoughts? I mean, this might be the perfect casting because I think he is actually a creative vampire. Like he will suck the life force out of any story you're telling. What the fuck is going on, man? I don't. Okay. Here's the thing. I actually like him more as Morbius. Like what I know of that character uh, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a Spider-Man villain, so he's more in my wheelhouse. I is, think is, is he really style over substance? He has a band just to say I have a band. He's a bit. He's a bit of a flaunty, uh, like pretty boy, in the comic. Like he's uh, certain portrayals of him kind of make him that way. I could see Jared Leto playing Michael Morbius a hundred times more than I could ever picture Jared Leto playing the Joker. My hope is that somehow, somehow, this commitment of him playing Morbius will get in the way of him playing the Joker, and then he will have to back out of playing the Joker. I are, are you are you saying that we should go to L.A. and like stall production for as long as possible? We need to just like cut like electricity wires. Sure, whatever has to be done, we can uh, do it. I I don't get the deal with Jared Leto. People seem to some just I mean a lot of people seem to hate him. Which seems fair. But a lot of people like him, and he won an Academy Award. I've never seen him in anything that made me stop and think, yeah, this guy's a good actor, or I want to keep <laughs> seeing this guy on my television screen or in a movie right. theater. I never feel that way about Jared Leto. We've talked about, I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the podcast, Blade Runner 2049, one of my all time favorite movies, probably of at least the last five mm-hmm. years. Fantastic film. Amazing. The worst. Denis Villeneuve is peak. Yeah, he's doing a lot. 
the worst thing about that movie is Jared Leto. And and, he, and he's not terrible at it. He's, But he's the worst thing in it. Everyone else is getting tens, and he's getting like a six point five. Like, uh, uh, he's, he's dragging down like, the team's he's score. The, the Rajon Rondo of this film for sure. Oh, jeez. Um, I just I don't I don't understand how I recast Jared Leto with Christian Bale. Is this movie not like an eleven? Oh that? man, yeah. <sighs> Jared Leto, what'd you do? Who, just, who, who, who do you have dirt on? I just got lost in that. But yeah, it's... I don't know. So anyway, Jared Leto, Michael Morbius, Morbius, Love Vampire. Come into a theater new. By Sony, by the way, so I'm already skeptical. But Man, Jared Leto's best work was in my so-called life. He peaked. I forgot he was in that. Yeah, man. That is where he started. He was fine <laughs> in that. Sometimes you're one and done. He's an aloof pretty boy. Yeah, sure. Was he even acting? Like... <laughs> um, moving on. Okay, this is awesome. This is awesome. I... I, <laughs> I, I this could be terrible, but it's just... The fact that it's even happening is... Bring yeah. it, dude. So we already talked at length about how jazz, how jazzed and jive we are for Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse, Edge of the Spider-Verse. Oh, so good. So, like, cannot wait to watch that movie a million times. We Okay, so they just released another uh, actor that's doing a voice. Because, again, this is an animated film, so everyone keep that in mind. Animated film. But they are going to have not just Spider-Man, not just Miles Morales Spider-Man, not just Spider-Gwen. That's all. I mean, you don't need more than that, but they're, they're doing more. <laughs> We're going to get Spider-Man Noir, which essentially is Spider-Man set in, like, the 30s. Almost like an old school Batman type character. Oh. Voiced by none other than bees. Bees. Not oh, so many bees. Not the bees. <coughs> Nicholas Cage. <laughs> I'm, more, I'm more of a treasure protector. Wow. Oh, that's pretty good. Nick Cage fresh, by the way. So there, appreciate that. <laughs> Nick Cage. Nick Cage. As Spider-Man, I can't picture it at all. Like it does, my brain just cannot even get there. It only works if he like throws in the random like uh like uh classics quotes like he did in The Rock. I only fear the Greeks. I I, I fear the Greeks even when they bring gifts. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I I I just I don't know what's gonna happen here. He's gonna be like, put down the bunny. Or, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so you don't treat women that way. Uh, so that I, I have no, I have nothing to say about it. Just, I just want to Dude, announce it. Cameron Nick, Poe as Spider-Man. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Con Air, man. That was a fun fucking movie. Dude, John Cusack. John Cusack. Yeah, John Cusack uh, had a lot of funny things to say about Con Air. He said he was a trip. Yeah? Yeah, he said he was just he said he was insane. Is that on commentary somewhere? Uh no, I was I you know I got to I'm not, it's like a flex here. I got to see him at the Tobin Center a while back. Oh and, no. Uh, oh did... shit, Freddy Flex. All right. Mm. Prepare 20 minutes, guys. Let's mm. go. You know, I might have an autographed high fidelity vinyl. I don't know, do I? Uh, uh gross point blank. Yeah, you're the one who saw it. Mm, mm. Anyway, 
Uh, but yeah, he had some he had some good Con Air stories. He said it was one of the most fun films he's ever uh, been a part of. And, yeah, uh, double toppy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> All right, mo- moving on. Moving, moving on. on. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna preface this by saying. If you're one of those douchebag Star Wars fans, oh shit, dude! That's trying to raise a hundred and fifty million dollars so you can go to Disney and say we want to buy temporary rights to Star Wars, and uh, we want to write a script and we're gonna uh, rewrite the Last Jedi and then make that film uh, with all Kickstarter fan support input. Into the script. All of Jesus. this, by the way, insane and very real. This is a real thing. These Dude, it's so Cypress Hill. Idiots. <laughs> These idiots out here. If you're one of those people. It doesn't cost that much money to suck my dick from the back. Just, whoa, whoa. Just stop listening. Okay, we don't we don't want you. You're not wanted here. You, you just get out. <laughs> Because what I'm allowed to say is going to upset you a whole lot, so you might as well save yourself the trouble and get your ass out the door. <laughs> Carrie Russell is going to be in Star Wars 9. Carrie Russell, oh, shit. Carrie Russell, who was in Mission Impossible 3, did a great job in Mission Impossible 3, by the way. A fan favorite uh, of J.J. Abrams. Uh, yeah, Felicity. Felicity, I was going to say the college years, but I guess they're all college years. <laughs> um, but more importantly, she... Were they? <laughs> I think I think I mean or she she was just getting out of college or ah there's some college in there. <laughs> um, I keep wanting to call it Felicity. Uh, Carrie Russell, a a a fa- fan favorite actor of J.J. Abrams to work with, uh, is now going to be in Star Wars Nine, which of course he's directing. Uh, no notes as to who she's going to play. But um, she's gonna be her character from the Americans. Not yeah, I mean I doubt it. <laughs> but that would be really the character is like a Russian, right? Pretending to be American. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So that'll be so she'll be like a like a like a bantha trying to pretend to be a human. What do you mean lightsaber? How can <laughs> saber be made of light? In Soviet empires, saber lights you. I don't know. <laughs> It's real bad, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, Terry Russell. <laughs> but it's almost like they're flexing here. They're like, oh, oh, you hated all the women in uh, Last Jedi. And, you mm. know, uh, all that shit bothered you. Laura Dern bothered you. Oh, guess what? We're going to we're gonna, we're just gonna put more. We're going to bring more. It's going to be more of them. It's going to keep <laughs> happening. Good. Uh, I like Terry Russell. She's cool. Like, Yeah. Fine. Fine with it. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any bad movies you can make. And, uh, I, we're on the record of being like completely over the moon with what the last shit I did for the franchise, and I think that yeah, JJ, I'm kind of trepidatious about JJ taking the helm again. I think a lot of the problems of the well, supposed problems that uh, last shit I had were really things that JJ did and said like, here, fuck you, I'm I'm throwing you the hot potato, um, in um uh the Force Awakens. Right. Like it was never. It was never about mystery. We don't really need to know whose Ray's parents are. That's never. That's not the point. He made. He made, uh, he made the Star Wars franchise into a mystery box show, yeah, which is yeah. not 
This isn't lost. It's not. JJ loves asking questions. He never likes answering them. Um, so for that point, I'm kind of trepidatious is going into nine. But um, I don't think you can lose. Right. <laughs> I think Ryan Johnson left in a, such a space where it's like anything's possible now. Any, anything, any outcome you can think of uh, works. So You literally I, could end the Skywalker saga on Johnson's film. Like the way it ends, that could just be the end of it. There really could yeah. be. I, I mean, they're not going to do that, I guess. But yeah, it's just the the fan, I guess, like the vocal minority of the fallout is just so bewildering to me. It's like you guys actually don't understand like narrative to begin with. It, it, you don't understand like stories at a fundamental level. You, you, you're not able to like separate your emotions from like what's happening on the page. It's think- it's, it's shocking. It's like the people who went to go watch Incredibles two, and like the short that came before it. About the little dumpling baby, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people like didn't get the didn't get the metaphor of that, and I was like, how how could you not? It's just so plainly bare. It, it uh, that's it what makes me. it so strong because it's so basic. It's like that's yeah. the point. It's supposed to be simple. Like if you uh, that, when you told me that, I, I I literally can't even comprehend how people don't <laughs> understand the point of that short film. It's it's real. It, 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 just, it speaks to how little people pay attention in freshman English in high school. I, I mean, guess. that's true, though. A lot of people don't pay attention. Here's the thing. I, I look, If you don't like The Last Jedi, I love how we're getting back on The Last Jedi tangent, too, by the way. Yeah. But, like, if you don't like it, that's fine. It's totally fine. Like, if you really This is just, why fanfiction.net exists. If you want just the original trilogy, cool. Watch it. Hell, I just bought these really cool Blu-rays that are... Like were painstakingly made from the film of the actual original releases, so they're they're despecialized. Oh, yeah. They literally have none of the changes, and they're like upscaled into HD, and the audio is amazing. And there's like twenty commentary tracks on each. They're really cool. I mean, I'm psyched about it. Like, that's really cool. I'm not saying that shouldn't exist. And if you don't like the Last Jedi, that's cool. That's cool. That's fine. My point it's is cool to be wrong. <laughs> my point is though, you don't have to go to Kickstarter and try to raise 150 million dollars to try to uh, fucking buy back the rights to Star Wars for a month and try to like this is that's too much. Okay, you don't matter that much. You aren't that important. You, nobody cares. Have you seen the poster that somebody mocked up of like uh, what people wanted, what 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 these insignificant little like uh, butt hurt misogynists wanted out of Last Jedi? It's amazing. It's like Luke has like a ten pack. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a Rambo bandana. Uh, no, I have not <laughs> seen that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to find out on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it's okay to not like it, but it, it's when you go this far, that's that's. I don't. I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to say to it. No words. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, another awesome news. Lando. Lando is back, and I'm not talking about. Unfortunately, I'm not talking about Mr. Donald Glover, Mr. Childish Gambino. I got a strap. Undefeated. I I'm curious. As Donald Glover gets older, what is going to happen? Because Father Time is undefeated. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But Donald Glover is undefeated. Oh, shit. Immovable Force versus uh, uh, other thing? (laughs) (laughs) Unstoppable object. There we go. (laughs) go. 
Uh, yeah, man. I'm I, I'm just curious to where his career goes. That's going to be amazing. Uh, but no, we're talking I, about. I think I, I, it stops at 2006 because he said he'd be with us till 2005. Yeah, that's true. He did say that. He called the shot because, of course, he did. Uh, Billy D. Williams, Lando, Lando Carissian is going to be also is also going to be in Star Wars Nine. That's awesome. Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. It's probably going to be sad because you know Han's dead. Yeah, um, we got to deal with Leia, I guess. I mean, because the whole thing, what we thought was, uh, you know, the legacy characters be kind of like uh, given time in the time in the spotlight one last time. It was Han uh, in uh, seven, then it was Luke, then it should have been Carrie. A thousand Leia. percent should have been Leia in the last one. I don't think Lando's going to take the Carrie spot, like the the Leia spot. Oh shit, Chewie! I think yeah, I think I mean I think Chewie's going to have more of a role. I don't know if I think it's going to be a by committee scenario. Yeah. Um which is probably the right move. I don't know. I I don't know what's the right thing to do here. Um It sucks. It sucks cuz I I really feel like they did have some kind of cool plan. Um it's very clear that the films were meant to be send-offs for each of those characters and so uh. But hey, Billy, uh, Billy D Williams, man. Cold 45 back in the saddle. <laughs> Star Wars and I can't wait. All right, let's um, let's move on. Got a few more things to go before the this episode is over. We uh, we forgot to mention this a long time ago. Actually, <laughs> it's probably <laughs> probably like a month, two months ago. It's been a while. Uh, it's been a while. We actually got to see a sneak peek on Cloak and Dagger before it even debuted on Freeform, uh, because again, we're not sure Freeform is a real thing. So we we got sneak passes to see it in a movie theater. Saw the first two episodes. <laughs> the exact opposite of a freeform. Right. Um, cramped as hell theater. Uh, but we did get to see it. The first two episodes. Um, I don't know if we're going to talk about Cloak and Dagger f- moving forward. I know they're like on episode six now, I think. And I actually have wow. not kept up. So I might try to catch up. The first two episodes are pretty good. They they lay a pretty nice foundation. the The series is very serious, and Super serious. it's it's Teen got serious. it's got a lot of like heavy themes in it. Um, the two uh, titular characters are pretty engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, a little uneven at times, but but overall, pretty good. What were your initial thoughts on Cloak and Dagger? Um. Who do you think? And then here's another question. Yeah. Who do you ultimately think that show is for? Like, what is the demographic audience for that show? Uh, man, I'm trying to remember it's so hard right now because I saw that when I was very sleep deprived. Uh, <laughs> but I think uh, it's definitely that teen market. It's like um, that runaways kind of audience. Uh, it's very geared towards like if you are able to use the Instagram filters at all. Uh, you probably like this show a lot. <laughs> uh, um, that being said, I like the characters. Like, um, I know Cloak and Dagger traditionally have been like a the, the superpowers were um, kind of like uh, it developed because of like drug use, right? Um, there's a little bit of that in Cloak and Dagger, like the first two episodes. Um, it, it's really hard not to feel like empathetic towards these characters. Um, I know the event that kind of gives them superpowers at the beginning is some sort of like explosion and Roxxon Corporation was involved and doing something shady 
and her dad uh, or dagger i guess i don't remember her character's name uh her dad like uh ends up plunging into the bay of new orleans and i guess chesapeake the or no not chesapeake uh, uh whatever lake pontchartrain what the fuck that lake, lake charles is? lake charles there we go let's go with lake charles i'm gonna hit you uh, with charles <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at the same time, that, uh, Cloak's big brother is shot by police. It's always the police, and he falls into the lake at the same time, and they get they get powers that way. Fine, whatever. Um, yeah, it it, it it's, it's believable. I'm I'm with their narrative. Uh, I haven't seen any more uh, as you have, but um, yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't know. It, it, there's not like a, it's not so specific that I can't engage with it. But at the same time, I'm like, uh, uh, it's it's in, it's there. It's there to engage with. Here you go. I'm going to say something and tell me if you agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good show. It has a solid foundation. But right. it seems to be missing that hook, that thing that makes you want to watch it, that makes you want to look for the show and, and look forward to the next episode. Mm, yeah. Yeah, the kind of cliffhanger that happens at the end of two, where it's like uh, she's finally able to get away, but mm-hmm. then uh, he's right there in front of her, and she's about to hit him with the car. That's like, ah, all right, well, that's a weird kind of move the pull. Like, he's about to get satisfaction with, like, his, like, he's about to kill the cop that killed his brother. Yeah. And and she's finally running away, and the stories are, like, almost done. But, like, we can't have that because this is a series, and that's pretty <laughs> on the nose. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, also, the fan reaction has been kind of weird, like for her. Like I saw on, on the internet, um, I've seen a lot of people saying like, "Light power, light power." Oh, uh, wow. She makes her weapon. She makes her daggers. Daggers. That's our word. You can't say that word. Daggers. That's my dagger right there. Uh, wow. Light power. Uh, <laughs> wow. That that reaction is really weird. I didn't expect that at all. Light power, huh? Light power. <laughs> Jeez, good grief, man. <laughs> No words. <laughs> Just none. No words. All right. We've seen uh, we've seen two hundred percent more cloak and dagger than we have Punisher. Oh no, that is not true. What? I was going to save this for the end, Record the very scratch? end. But I watched the first episode of Punisher on Netflix, uh, and it's good. It's really good. It's super violent. Um, uh, you know, Shane's doing some doing some work. He's he literally has a sledgehammer. Um, <laughs> Peter Gabriel style. Yeah. He's all like, in your eyes, and I can <laughs> see in your eyes. The light, the I heat. Believe. Yeah. Um, really, really, uh, it's it's good. I'm going to watch more of it. I actually almost watched a second episode right after, but it was super late. <laughs> almost? Well, it was super late. Like, I was like, no, I need to go to sleep. Like. It was it was ten o'clock. You're right. No, no, it was like two in the morning. It was like three in the morning. It was super <laughs> late. Um, it's good. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep chugging along, and and I bet you by the next podcast I will have at least seen probably at least two more episodes. If not ah, all shit, by that means I gotta see it now. Um, but let's let's move on from that. Uh, yeah. All right. Here's here's your time to shine, Chris. Uh oh. Because uh, let, let me get ready. I'm gonna stretch. Ugh. Ugh, um, there's a little thing. There's a little thing. Uh, there's a little thing called Gundam. I know you heard of it. It's uh, you know, it's like this thing with like um, you know, it's like these robots. Uh, you know, they like uh, you know, they like fight. They're like space knights, kind of like they, wow. they battle. Wow. 
You know, it's like wow. A, there's a you know there's there's um you know there's a a movie happening with the you know with Gundam you know <laughs> so um you know what what do you think about that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> first of all, wow! Uh, thank you for that amazing summation of the whole Gundam franchise. <laughs> the decades rich. Yeah, <laughs> they invented a genre, man. The mecha genre. <laughs> No, thank you, thank you. That was that was well well do. That was um, detail rich. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Anime Expo happened in Los Angeles, and we got the announcement that uh, the official announcement that Sunrise is working together with Legendary Pictures, um, who are no strangers to superhero movies. They've done the Dark Knight trilogy. They've done Three Hundred, Watchmen, um, Pacific Rim. I guess that counts. Uh, <laughs> they're they're, they're going to partner get, partner together with Sunrise Bandai Visual. And they're making a Gundam movie. And this is like a direct tie-in, I think. Um, the the stealth pilot from Ready Player One, where the Gundam appeared for about, like, you know, maybe a minute. And fans lost their shit on it's the internet. glorious minute, though. Oh, man, it was amazing. Uh, he did the pose and everything. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be good. Um, they're talking cash shit. <laughs> on the video like you can see where they announce that they're partnering up and they're like yeah this is gonna blow your minds like nothing you've ever seen it's gonna be unprecedented and i'm like wow this is a lot like scale it back like uh slow death yeah <laughs> we need we need you to be iron man before you can be infinity war man <laughs> crawl before you walk um anime adaptations traditionally have not been great uh for american live action movies um Man, I I really hope, and I think with the title as big as Gundam, I think they can do it. They can finally do it. I mean, because it's um it's a, essentially a rebellion story. Uh, its Earth is developed to such a point where the space colonization is kind of like you know almost boring. They have colonies out there. They have technology that can do it. Big machines uh, to build big cities, and these are the Gundams. And um, the colonies revolt. The colonies like they want independence. They want liberation uh, from an increasingly more tyrannical Earth rule. So that's what spurs the whole inciting incidents. So I think that's an American story. If anything, yeah, I was about to say it's like a re- it sounds like a futuristic robot retelling of Americans America's independence for sure. The, the revolution. So, I, I they 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 seem really optimistic. And I think that's just because the they've uh, they've got some funding on their side now. So they they have um there's not much to go by. Um, just right. the heads of the companies kind of talking to each other or talking, you know, at a panel and saying that we're really excited. We hope you guys are, uh, it's sort of a trailer or it's really just something leaving earth's orbit, making a G kind of. So I don't think it'd be like G Gundam, which is one of the franchises where right. like the robots fight, like, you know, in boxing matches almost. So that'd be really crazy if it is, but <laughs> they could do anything. I know that there was like a live action series that they were trying to work out. I think I haven't seen it, but it was kind of like um, it's from the humans' point of view of like on the colonies, like what's going on, like um, almost like Cloverfield kind of. Okay. So yeah, it's um, I I don't know. It's this name is so big that it has to be good. It's almost Star Wars level. Like you cannot screw this up if you put the name Gundam on a movie. Uh, be careful. It has to be good. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one thing I know about Gundam is that it's very rich visually. So, mm-hmm. um, and we've already got the template from Ready Player One. So there's a lot there that they can work with. Even if somebody's unfamiliar with Gundam as a franchise or as a property, you have those rich visuals to, to sort of lean on. 
Um, and then hopefully they develop a really tight narrative to drive the story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of like Western audiences, like how they're familiar with like giant robots. And it's not really much. It's like a uh, robot jocks, maybe. Um, robot jocks, <laughs> real steel, sort real of, steel, uh, iron giant, Pacific rim, iron giant. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's inroads. There's definitely uh, a reason why it's so cool. So, so what, what, um, do you know what movie studios attached to produce on this, or have they not said that yet? Yeah, Legendary. Oh, it is Legendary, right? Okay, yeah. so Legendary, if I'm not mistaken, is also the studio that works with Godzilla and mm-hmm. King Kong. Mm-hmm. Jurassic could, World. Could we see? Uh, with with Tofno. Christopher Nolan? Could we could we see a possible Godzilla versus King Kong versus Gundam? Oh, holy shit! Just saying. Uh, just throwing it out there. Look, man. As long as, we just... have John C., as long as we have John C. Riley saying death before dishonor in Japanese, then yeah, you can you can do whatever. Just throwing these ideas out for free. I wish, you know, if anyone wants to pay me, feel free. <laughs> I'll take fifty percent of whatever he gets. I'll throw out my PayPal, you know. Undercutting. Let me get a Patreon going. Um, all right, last last little bit of news. Uh, I don't know why we put this at the end. Uh, I have no idea why I put it at the end, but here we are. Uh, as I wrote it again, Sam Jackinson. <laughs> uh, Sam Jackinson to be D H and Captain Marvel. Of course, I mean Samuel L. Jackson. I don't. Oh, oh, okay, Sam yeah. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson apparently is going to be de-aged in Captain Marvel for the entire film. So Marvel, MCU, they're really flexing now. The you know we actually we didn't really talk about that for Ant Man, but like uh, we see a late eighties, early nineties Michelle Pfeiffer, late eighties, early nineties, uh, yeah. um, whatever that guy's name is, I can't think of right <laughs> Michael now. Douglas. Michael Douglas, <laughs> and it looks great. Uh, real quick aside, uh, Lawrence Fishburne also uh, gets de-aged, not digitally. It's actually his son. It's practical. It's a oh practical shit! Thing. I thought it was. I thought it was like a de-aged, you know, uh, effect thing that they did. But no, it's just that's just his son. They pull the straight out of Compton. They yeah. just use O'Shea Jackson. Yeah, they just use the yeah. So uh, Samuel L. Jackson, though, I mean, they're really flexing here because they they've never tried this where a a Fully human actor is going to be de-aged digitally for the entire film. That's a lot, um, and that's that's a lot of that's a lot of money on the tech side. That also means also like I wonder what this means for other actors and like their career. Because if this <laughs> if this does well and it looks good, like their their contracts are going to have to be restructured. You're going to yeah. have to have like even more likeness clauses thrown in there, you know, whatever. So, yeah. Um, what's it in, in civil war? We saw a really young Tony, right? Yeah. Yeah. We saw super like, young. You see RDJ, you're on the hook forever. <laughs> if you die, we can just rebuild you. So <laughs> do what you want. Do your heroin, whatever. Whoa. What? Wow. <laughs> you're putting RDJ on the, you can, you can catch his hands list on the Brown town watch. No, I, Look, man, he, that was that sweet was, lady H. That was that was you know that was decades ago. He's uh, he's clean and sober now, so it's fine. 
but I think it's pretty cool. I think it's uh, here's the thing though. I think it's a bit of a cheat. I think it's a bit of a cheat because yeah. if you're gonna tell me that you're gonna de-age Samuel Jackson, they could easily, literally, not do anything and just say they did, and people will be like, "Oh my God, look! Oh right, Samuel L. Jackson looks great." Just take the eye patch off. Just take the eye patch off. Put a wig on, maybe, <laughs> and and that's it. That's all you'd have to do. And they could be like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> This is a technical marvel. This is the first film we've ever de-aged. So they didn't do shit, man. That's just Samuel L. Jackson. Black don't crack. <laughs> Marvel's only response is, does he look like a bitch? Oh, wow. Hang on to your butts. <laughs> okay. A fucking shark ate me! Oh, shark did uh, eat uh, him. He, he didn't say that, Dave Chappelle. No, he that. did not say that. You're right. What a weird way to end the week. Uh, thank you, everyone, as always, for listening. We do appreciate it. Feel free to hit us up on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Neil Before Pod or just simply search combo characters in the search. Please feel free to hit a, a subscribe button on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on uh, pod- Podcast Attic. Five stars, iTunes. Leave us a review. Five stars. Um there you go. Soundy just like no, no, don't believe him. There. Don't he, believe him. Don't believe him. The little bitch. He, he's he's hanging in there. He's lazy motherfucker. Wow. Uh but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We do greatly appreciate it always. Until next time, the fortress of potitude is closed. Stay super everyone. Stay wong strong. <laughs> <laughs>